0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast. The consulate closures between the U.S. and China, a diplomatic spat that's quickly escalating.
1: I think this is going to be a political football coming up in, in the election, China.
0: Governor of Texas Greg Abbott on recovering from rising coronavirus cases.
1: We're going to be fine and uh, we, we will
2: continue through this process uh, to make sure that Texas remains a premier environment globally for the location of businesses.
0: And Elon Musk, newest Texan in the Lone
2: Star State. He changed his license uh, from a California license to a Texas license already. And so he is a bona fide Texan now.
0: Those stories, plus catching up on Wall Street scandals this Friday. How the 1MDB scheme went from jets, yachts, and Andy Warhols to a settlement between Goldman Sachs and Malaysia and the double life of Tapestry's former CEO. How he managed both and how it all fell apart.
3: The board did not do its due diligence on G-Day's island. It wasn't that hard, believe me.
0: It's Friday, July 24th 2020, National Tequila Day.
1: Andrew, do you have that tequila handy? I could use it. I got it right here. Squawk Pod begins right now.
4: Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Osorkin, along with Joe Kernan. We should be playing just the two of us, Joe. That's, no, that's the music we Andrew, should be playing right it, now. It's getting Becky's tougher and tougher. tougher. We're going to have tougher. to both carry this whole show ourselves somehow. I no, don't know.
1: I, I just think it's getting tougher and tougher for someone to sit in with us. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Today it was like <laughs> they, they asked, they, they cajoled, they bribed, and this was what they came up with. Me and you, buddy. It's us. Yeah. You know what? Just us. Just Most us. days we cover the whole gamut, though. So it's not like people are going to miss out on, on <laughs> a, any part of the current world in terms of, uh, uh, well, in terms of everything. I can't wait to talk about baseball. We're going to have the WNBA to talk about. You know, the, yes. this, is, yep. this is how great, you know, the, you wonder who are the COVID winners. They're going to televise 50% of the WNBA games because. I know. I, and I, you know what? I'm, I'm like looking at the schedule. When are they on? I, I want right. to.
4: You're going to be gambling on it. The, right. the ratings are going
1: to be high. Right. There could be a lot of uh,
4: good things that that may come of this in in their own way. Last night,
1: Andrew. Um, um, last yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. Opening day. Yankees. Uh, they're going to be good. I, I mean, I don't know what happened last year. I think there were some injuries. Yankees are going to be good, and the Nationals. And it was the two starting pitchers from the final game last year because the Houston Astros, Garrett Cole, he's now a Yankee, and you had Sir, uh, uh, Max uh, Scherzer for, for the, and, and I'm, I just want to tell you something. I'm, I'm learning how to bet baseball. Just taking the underdog does not work. These guys, they know how to do this. Like if you put up $30, you can win your 30 back plus more. Uh, I mean, plus more than 30 okay. if you bet on the underdog without a spread. But you know what? The underdog always loses. So now I'm lo- I found a new way to lose. Anyway, Dodgers just kicked ass, too, last night. And there's a bunch of games. We're, we're, uh, right. But it was weird. Did you watch any of it last night? It was a little weird. I, all, I saw was the, all I saw was the clip of Fauci with oh, the opening I pitch. I feel bad. Missing by,
4: unfortunately, too much. I was so trying to figure was, out you know.
1: who else did that. I think it was 50 Cent uh, did that, too, I, I, as I recall. Uh, went straight left. I did that, you remember, yeah. and it, it, it's very daunting when, when, you, when you do it, and, and the, what you have to think of, just try and throw it to the, don't try and make a pitch like they do because you're going to throw it in the dirt or something. You just sort of lob it into the catcher and hope it's somewhere where he can actually actually catch it, but I felt bad for him. He said he was very nervous yesterday, Dr. Yeah. Fauci. Everything going on in the world, uh, the New York Post. Re- I know. I... Huh? Everything going on know, in the world. I know. Got to embarrass the poor guy. I I mean, he's he's a doctor. He's not a baseball player. Let's get to this China story escalation overnight. It's important, isn't it? I thought we had like a big trade deal going on there. Beijing is revoking uh, the license for a U.S. consulate in China after the U.S. ordered China's Houston consulate to close by today. I wonder how Pompeo's speech is being taken over there, too. I mean, he stopped short of regime change, but... I mean, it almost sounded like he was going there for a while. The truth is that our
3: policies and those of other free nations resurrected China's failing economy only to see Beijing bite the international hands that were feeding it.
1: Eunice Yoon joins us uh, with the latest. Hi, Eunice.
5: Yeah, no, it did. Uh, but he, as you said, he did stop short. Uh, But when he was talking about um, China in his blistering speech, uh, he described it as a Frankenstein. That's what struck me, that he described it as a Frankenstein that was created by the policies of the free world. Um, and uh, he was essentially calling on um, all countries within the free world to um, unite against uh, communist China, saying that if um, the free world allows uh, China to to continue um, uh, pursuing its its path, that that um, could potentially change the free world. So. Um, It was a a speech that the foreign ministry did not like. Uh, They called it full of ideological bias, said that it was, um, you know, unattached to reality. Um, But uh, it it did take some measures, specifically out on the consulate in Chengdu. So that consulate is now going to be shut down. Uh, The state media said it's going to be within 72 hours, so by Monday. And the foreign ministry also accused the American staff there of uh, interfering in Chinese internal affairs. On state media, the the reasoning um, of of um, why China chose Tongdu um, is is this: it's it's essentially one of the smaller consulates compared to the others. Um, it's um, seen as uh, not having a huge impact on American business, but at the same time would hurt because the state media. Uh, have pointed out and and been quoting experts as saying that that's where America uh, gathers information on strategic weapons in the region and also gathers information on the situation in Tibet. So um, the reason why this is being explained in the state media is because um, the messaging is that Beijing wants to show that it's tough. It wants to be able to match what the U.S. is doing. At the same time, it wants to say there's a little bit of a door open because we don't want to have um, an escalation of tensions, even though, of course, it seems really difficult <laughs> to, to see where it all heads at this stage.
1: We, I, I, honestly, Eunice, we could take this right to 630, just uh, our time uh, talking about it, <laughs> all, all the different ramifications. Because, you know, trade, we have COVID, we have all these problems. But in, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, you know, global trade. It's, it's something we hopefully can count on after after COVID finally fades at some point. Who knows when that is? And and if we're calling off any phase two uh, talks or or even whether phase one is in trouble, I mean, that's just another thing. The market doesn't I don't think in a, in a slow econ- global economy that that doesn't help. And then I was trying to figure out and I want your, your comments on this. Did the Houston mm-hmm. conflict, do you think that I mean, it it reminds me of Casablanca. There's gambling going on here. There's some spying going on here. We know that that's what happens uh, in a lot of conflicts. We probably do it, too. Did it get worse, or is this a reprisal from the United States because of what's going on in the South China Sea, or because of what's going on with the Uyghurs? Is it a, a sum total of all our problems with China, so we decided to do this, or did things actually get worse in Houston?
5: Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that it would, um, uh, that's a, a question that's better asked for the folks in, in D.C. I think that uh, it's still, uh, from the Chinese perspective, um, they, you know, con- continuously deny that there is any uh, spying operation going on. In fact, uh, the uh, Consul General in the, the Houston Consulate um, gave an interview to Politico saying that um, they're not even going to, to leave until further notice. So uh, that potentially could just become another, um, you know, a huge yeah. uh, a conflict point uh, with, uh, with the United States if, um, if it doesn't actually adhere All to the State Department's um, request. It's, it's, right. it's a very difficult situation at this stage.
1: Thank you, uh, Eunice. We've got other stuff to do. And, Andrew, I'll just, you know, I'll give you some, some raw meat. You know, there's an election coming up. Um it's, A lot of times... You know, an administration will, you know, not create things to to do, but, you know, who's going to who's going to say Joe Biden probably was was weak on China. So if we're tough on China and then you've got an election coming up, that's going to be the narrative, I think, that, that, you know, I think all, you're
4: going to have both candidates try to outdo each other on how hawkish they can appear, right? I mean, right. I think that's, well, that's China, the,
1: but Biden sure. might have a problem with with China. He's made some comments in the past, and then you got the whole hedge fund, you know, all that other stuff that to come out. But I think this is going to be a political football coming up in in the election, China. So you think it's a coincidence that right. that, that tensions worsen a hundred days to go? it sounds like a, a are two, you
4: suggesting that? I don't know. Are you Why are we that you think doing that, this that, now? That Why are we the doing administration this Administration is trying to to gin this up ahead of the election to create more. of a... Either side could be. I, uh, either but, side
1: could could use oh, it. You're saying China. the Chinese
4: side. Well, no, I, think I think it's. You know, by the way, you I, could I, argue I think, the Chinese side is doing it. You could argue the. But it's interesting because people are very. You know, people are very worried about whether our election is going to be hacked or this or that right. by either Russia or China or Iran or whomever, which is the candidate that they actually want? It's not actually so clear.
1: Right. Right. No, I wasn't saying China's doing no. it. I was more saying that maybe it's a you know, they think it might be a win for uh, right. for the Trump administration he, for, to, internally. Yeah. yeah.
4: A lot of people were uh, expecting or at least looking forward to hearing that blockbuster tech hearing uh, that was supposed to take place in Capitol Hill uh, with some of the biggest tech leaders. Well, it's likely been postponed. CEOs of Amazon, Apple, Facebook and Google, they were expected to testify. In Monday's, Monday's antitrust hearing, uh, we had talked to Chamath Palihapitiya about it just yesterday and what he was expecting to hear. Uh, lots of talk about whether to break those companies up or not. It is not exactly clear yet when it will be rescheduled. Sources telling CNBC that the hearing conflicted with the memorial service for the late Representative John Lewis, who is being honored in a ceremony at the U.S. Capitol Rotunda on Monday. Um, meanwhile, also worth noting that I believe at least part of that hearing was going to be taking place virtually, if not all of it. Uh, so maybe it makes it a little bit easier in terms of people's, quote unquote, travel plans.
1: In this and it's day and uh, age. Joe. And not everything in Washington is, is so bipartisan. And, and it's, it's kind of heartwarming because both sides hate tech so much that they they've, they've both got their reasons. Right. I mean, they, they might actually agree that we don't like technology, that the right for one reason, the left for the other.
0: News broke this morning about Goldman Sachs and a settlement in one of the biggest scandals in the bank's history. This story emerged in late 2018 about the bank's role in raising money for the Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund and the surprising corruption. Just, just crossing,
4: we should tell you about Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs now reaching a $3.9 billion settlement agreement. Finally, this is uh, with Malaysia. This is that case involving the state investment fund 1MDB. It's according to multiple reports, and Goldman had been accused if you remember, of misleading investors over bond sales that raised $6.5 billion for the fund. Uh, this had been a cloud that had been weighing on the stock for quite some time. I was actually trying to go back to look at what the company had reserved for in terms of legal uh, fees prior to this to try to understand whether the $3.9 billion uh, was expected or not. I'll try to get you that, that legal reserve number in just a moment. By the way, uh, I talked about the legal reserves for 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 Goldman. Yeah, that's the case. Usually you you want you want the settlement to be lower than your legal reserve. This is the opposite. Um, As of February 26th, 2019, they had reserved one point nine billion dollars. They had said that the cost could exceed that. And clearly it has. So just wanted to. uh, I mean, it really is the the craziest story ever,
1: ever. Did someone write it? Why don't you write a book about that? Someone, I mean? No, somebody did. What the, um, did okay, yep. they call
4: it? It was uh, the billion-dollar whale. The no, billion-dollar right. whale. That was.
1: That was. Remember, billion, Leonardo right.
4: DiCaprio was involved, and, and all of these the, these you know the guy that the the the, yeah. the, the the
1: the colorful figure that's like that uh, he absconded with how much? I mean, it was like serious money. I mean, you can buy a few seven thirty-sevens yeah. with uh, or whatever you whatever that Boeing business jet is. Anyway. Every day something, Andrew, a national something day, but this is an important one today, especially on a Friday. I happen to see it trending on, uh, on Twitter. It's National Tequila Day, dude. Yep. Did you know that? I didn't, but, but are you coming over for margaritas tonight, or what? We could have margaritas,
4: shops, finally do
1: Palomas, it? Happy National Tequila well, Day. That's all I need we should, re- we should get on
4: the tequila right yeah. now. All I, I think that might be in order. All I need is a reason to drink tequila.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Elon Musk and Tesla coming to town.
2: His vision uh, always is far larger uh, than what people really know and and only blossoms in the future. And so uh, I think this is a stepping stone to what could be uh, a a really massive expansion of Tesla in Texas. We'll be right back. The market doesn't joke around.
0: This is Squawk
4: Box. Good morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box, right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, along with Joe Kernan, and it's just the two of us. Uh, Becky's got the day off. Joe, you had mentioned today was was National Tequila Day, and so I I just went upstairs. This is a very expensive bottle. I'm told you. it was given to us as a gift uh, of some tequila, and I thought we could we could start drinking early. You know, it's a Friday. I just it, thought and, you know that would, would we be could different. How? It.
1: Well, wow, I look, just, <laughs> look at you. You're doing I just it.
4: figured we should go for it.
1: What am I supposed well, to do? Well, why not?
4: Uh, it's Friday. Uh, I, I hear you. Do it, Andrew. Cheers, my friend. Do it. Do it. I want to see what happens. Hey, I, you it. know, I don't. Do it. There's only it. The problem do with it. this is there's only two of us. There's, do there's it. There's only two of us. If
1: we both get trashed on TV, I we still have an any. hour to go. I, don't, I want to see you get trashed. I, uh, Join me. No. You know, people always say that uh, because we mess around sometimes. They say, what have you been drink-? It's like you don't get up at 3.30 if you have an alcohol problem. And you just don't. Let's move on, Andrew.
4: Tesla will build a $1 billion plant in Austin, Texas, making it one of the largest economic development projects in the city's history. Phil LeBeau joins us now with more. Phil.
3: Andrew, this is a big deal and a big win for Austin, Texas. This is a contest for where the next... Uh, Tesla Gigafactory would be located that went on for several months and really came down to Austin versus Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ultimately, for a number of reasons, they chose uh, Austin, Texas, including the fact that uh, it's a great place to attract talent. They think that they'll do very well there. This is what the Gigafactory comes down to uh, down there. It is near Austin, Texas. Not in the city, but near the uh, city. They're actually doing work down near that uh, location. It's the second final U.S. assembly plant for Tesla in the U.S. It'll build the Cybertruck as well as the Tesla Semi. Model 3 and Model Y for Eastern United States. Here's Elon Musk talking about the Gigafactory.
2: The location is uh, five minutes from Austin International Airport and 15 minutes from downtown Austin. And it's about 2,000 acres, and we're going to make make it I think, a factory that is going to be stunning. It's
1: right on the Colorado River, uh, so we're actually going to have a, we're going to have a boardwalk uh, where there'll be a hiking biking trail it's going to basically be an ecological paradise let's get to the governor for a look at how the tesla decision is going to impact the texas economy and the challenges in that state stemming from the surge in coronavirus cases let's welcome texas governor greg abbott governor thanks for joining us this morning it's it's, uh, it's great to see you i it, when i heard you too, about, joe I, I saw the tax break and i was like is that a mistake it doesn't seem like a huge inducement Uh, the tax break. So there must be some other things about Austin and and the Texas workforce that attracted uh, Elon Musk to, uh, to your state.
2: Well, Joe, you're spot on. Listen, I had the opportunity to have multiple uh, visits uh, with Elon about this entire project and about his vision for what he wants to do with both Tesla and what he wants to do in Texas. And I will tell you, in my personal conversations with him, the the tax benefits were helpful, uh, but they they were not really the incentive. The incentive uh, was the opportunity of what he could achieve in Texas. In part, it's what Phil mentioned, and that is the access to uh, a lot of talent around the Austin area, but also uh, it's the freedom. You you hear it talk about this all the time he wanted to get away from California he wanted to get it into a state uh, where he had more freedom to to expand the way he wanted to expand he has a remarkable vision that goes far beyond just this one announcement uh, and he is a visionary he he is a transformative thinker and he's thinking about that and processing that as he's developing this parcel of land and what he wants to achieve in the future and he knows he has a better ability to do that in Texas with the freedoms that we offer him with the low cost that we offer him than he does in other places like California.
1: You know, I was thinking about uh, how to talk to you about the coronavirus today, uh, Governor, and, and I think I'd like to talk more about the factory and get more details about what it's going to bring in, in employment levels and, and, and how much commerce and all that. But you mentioned the freedom that, that Texas is known for. Don't mess with Texas and, and reg, you know deregulation and the oil industry and tort reform and all those things. And I just wonder whether that sort of milieu in Texas adds into what happened with coronavirus. I mean, it, I don't know whether people so, want to stay home as much. I don't know whether they want to wear masks. Is that part of the problem in Texas is the independence of, of the people that, that live there? And it's now coming back to haunt you to some extent in, in what's happening in, in some of the big cities? Sure.
2: Let me answer that, but let me dovetail into this fact also, and that is that Uh, before the coronavirus, Texas was number one in the most uh, new corporate relocations. But I'll tell you this, after the coronavirus hit, my phone has been ringing off the hook even more so from California, from New York, from so many other states around the country. There will be far more announcements coming here in the coming weeks and coming months about businesses growing and expanding in the state of texas but you do mention something very interesting uh, with regard to the coronavirus and that is uh, the the freedom uh, that that texans embrace and hence uh, one of the first challenges that we had as we begin to open up People thought that the coronavirus was something that we had completely defeated, that didn't exist anymore, that we uh, were not going to get hit the way that New York was hit. Uh, And so the first uh, really challenge I had to do was to help my fellow Texans understand the coronavirus is real. It is here. It's not going away. It's not going away. We need to step up and understand the way we need to fully respond to it. That said, I have imposed a mask requirement in the state of Texas, and it polls overwhelmingly. 85% of Texans agree that face mask is a way that we can go about Keeping businesses open without having to shut down. I made very clear we do not want to shut down again. The only way we can go about the process of not shutting down is for people to embrace this process of wearing a face mask. They're doing it, and, Joe, we're seeing positive results as a consequence of it. The number of people testing positive in Dallas in Houston, and Houston and some other places is going down, and it's because people are beginning to wear face masks.
1: But you don't think, I guess critics and, and you know, they're on, it's, become politicized. There's critics on all sides. It's, it's unfortunate, Governor. Is it too little, too late? People would say that it, it got a hold in, uh, in the big cities in Texas because it was, uh, it, these mandates weren't put in, into place sooner. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that it has become politicized when we're dealing with a
2: medical-based issue. Uh, but what we have seen, a study came out from the University of North Texas Health Science Center showing uh, that the are not the spread of COVID-19 has been reduced in Dallas, in Houston, and other places because people have begun to adopt this practice. It, it's, it's turning a ship. Uh, in the ocean right now, as opposed to a a quick turn. We are turning uh, the situation in the state of Texas. It's just going to take a little while, but we're going to be fine. And uh, we we will continue through this process uh, to make sure that Texas remains a premier environment globally for the location of businesses. And you will see on CNBC many more positive business announcements coming.
1: Do you feel like you're on the downward side of of the pandemic at this point, Governor? Or or some positive... Go ahead. Yeah, Joe,
2: Joe, that would be premature. I I feel like we have reached a plateau where we have contained the exponential growth of COVID at at this particular time. But we have a lot more work to do in the coming weeks. But I have to emphasize this to all the Texans watching this right now. And, and that is we don't have COVID conquered right now. Uh, we have to learn to deal with this until medicines do become available to treat it. And until that time, everyone must embrace this practice of wearing a face mask. If we do that, we will ensure that we will not have to shut down the Texas economy again.
1: OK, very good. So go back to how many jobs, how, how much total do you think it brings into the state, the, the, the Tesla uh uh the Tesla announcement. It, and in it, Joe
2: Joe in the short run it's is thousands, I've seen five thousand, it could be far more than that. And uh, in, in talking to Elon, his his vision uh, always is far larger. Uh, than what people really know, and, and it only blossoms in the future. And so uh, I think this is a stepping stone to what could be uh, a, a really massive a- expansion of Tesla in Texas. Uh, understand this also. And this is not Elon's uh, first uh, foray into Texas, because he already has SpaceX operations in the state. And so he knows the state. He, he, he loves the state. Uh, he, in fact, he told me uh, he changed his license uh, from a california license to a texas license
1: already and so he is a bona fide texan now uh, listening to just some of his comments about what happened in california and, and he's known as a maverick and he seems to fit in well i i will say uh that that might be an easy transition uh, for him to become uh a texla te- uh, texlan uh anyway thanks governor it's great to see you thanks for being with us this morning I thank you joe it. take oh, okay. care all right you too Have you heard someone saying we should merge this tequila discussion with our tech discussion? Has Musk actually said he wants to make Tesla Keela? Have you heard that? Tesla Keela? That's going to be. I
4: haven't, but it it, it sounds about right.
1: I'm going to look at someone says you should really convert because he has said that he's going to. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they're maybe they're yanking my chain. I'm pretty gullible. I think it's
4: a Tesla Keela. You know what? He's got he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of fans out there. I think it's a, a good brand extension. When we come back, uh, this, I, I can't get over this story. you got to hear this story.
0: Next, the former CEO of Tapestry, parent company of Kate Spade and Coach, is making headlines and not for his work on Wall Street.
3: He used a different name called James Green. as opposed, His middle name is James. And he posed on Craigslist as a fashion photographer.
0: Squawk Pod will be right back with that bizarre story and William Cohen, the journalist who broke it. You're listening to Sclockpot. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin.
4: Tapestry CEO Jod Zeitlin abruptly resigning from his role amid concerns about his past behavior of a double life. In an article for Publica, journalist William Cohan detailed his journey reporting on that second life, if you will, and Raises all sorts of questions. William Cohan is here Vanity Fair, special correspondent, CNBC contributor. This wild story that clearly it looks like uh, you've been working on for maybe over a year now. Uh, John Zilin, who was running uh, the parent company of Coach, uh, looked like he was having a successful career. But once you peeled it back, Bill, it was quite something else. How did you get started working on and maybe just tell the audience uh, what what happened here?
3: So last September, Andrew, uh, Gide Zeitlin uh, was named the CEO of Tapestry, which is the parent company of Coach. He'd been on the board of Tapestry slash Coach for 14 years. Uh, He was lead director for a while. He was a former Goldman Sachs partner, speaking of Goldman Sachs. Uh, He had his own private equity firm after that. Uh, And I thought, wow, uh, you know, I wrote the book on Goldman Sachs. I'd sort of heard of Gide Zeitlin over the years. And... This is so interesting that G Day is becoming CEO of a fashion company without really any fashion knowledge, as opposed to like you know going into government or you know starting a hedge fund or doing what the rest of the typical uh, former Goldman Sachs partners do. So I thought I'll, I'll just write a feature about him. How interesting! And so I went and I interviewed him over at Hudson Yards in November, and then again in December. And of course, you know, as part of anybody's due diligence for writing a piece about this, you look at the clips, and there was one from 2009 by a guy named Josh Rogan, who's now a Washington Post columnist, about how when Jideh was nominated by President Obama to be the number two at the UN, an American representative at the UN, he ended up withdrawing his name from the nomination after he'd been confirmed by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for, quote, personal reasons. And in that very brief article by Josh Rogan, it said that he had, quote, uh, you know, lured women into unwanted relationships. And when I asked him about that, I thought, "Well, well, that's odd. And then when I asked him about that, he started obfuscating and giving me all sorts of reasons that that was a political hit job and that was not true. And then he actually said to me something like, you know, spend an extra month digging into my background. You won't find anything like this ever happening. This is all a political hit job, and it never happened, and this isn't fair, and this is the way Washington right. works, and it's not right.
4: And, and, and then you did look into his and history, then I did. and you found at least one woman, if not many women, who yes. he was involved in, It sounds like a, as a photographer on the side, uh, yes, luring women he, into, into relationships that they were unhappy about.
3: You know, Basically, he used Craigslist. He used a different name called James Green. As opposed, his middle name is James Uh, And he posed on Craigslist as a fashion photographer using a Hasselblad camera, of all things. Uh, And he met Gretchen Raymond, the woman who was uh, much of the focus of the story, uh, at the GM building. He was then renting office space from Perry Capital. Uh, Richard Perry was another Goldman Sachs partner. He was renting that office space. And there are all these emails between them about, you know, what they were doing and how that was all going to work. Very unfortunate. Yeah, and let me ask you a question
4: would, about, about the here and now, which yes. is, given what you discovered and what you say was so easily discoverable, right, what does this say about the board of tapestry that hired him, that's overseen him today, and is still on that board, all those members?
3: Yeah, big question, Andrew. Big question about go- corporate governance. Did they do their due diligence on Gide? I think that familiarity bred you know, laziness here, unfortunately. Uh, they knew him. He had been the chairman of the board. He'd been on the board for 14 years. They needed a new CEO last September, and they went with it. I don't think they did their basic due diligence, and I think that's a flaw.
4: And that's a flaw that investors should be concerned about?
3: Well, obviously now they've got... I mean, that's the question. Uh,
4: the company was doing very well under, under his leadership, and so I uh, mean, pre-COVID, that is. So well, it yes, becomes a very pre-COVID. complicated issue, no? Right.
3: Yes, I mean, absolutely. The board the board has to, to reconcile with this and frankly, look themselves in the face and figure out what they did wrong. And maybe there should be a new board at some point. But right now, I'm sure they're just trying to get their management act together. But yes, the board did not do its due diligence on G.Days Zeitlin. It wasn't that hard. Believe me, uh, there, were, there were signs mm-hmm. all over the hey, place. Bill, we,
4: we, Bill, final question. He's accused you of using spying software or something on emails during the reporting process. Just want to get your reaction to that.
3: You know, first of all, it's completely uh, not true. Uh, I had one email that I sent to the former CEO, uh, Lou Frankfurt, and I just you know put some, uh, tried to figure out whether or not he read it or opened it and what he did with it. That's all. So it was just read open software. That's it. And not, not this tracking software that he's accusing me of.
4: Okay, uh, Bill
1: Cohan, great to see you. thank you for your analysis and uh, you know you thought I was kidding We, we have written articles on on Elon Musk uh, CNBC has uh, Andrew he has filed with the u s patent or Tesla has for yep. with a patent and trademark offer for Tesla Kila. I saw it Did you look that up and, and it's, it would be pure agave I, and it and it's a I love the word portmanteau just because to know what it means, but Teslaquila is another portmanteau. So, well, are Why we allowed are to, we not doing Squawk Kila? Right. Are we allowed Squawk to Bo- do that?
4: Yeah. We can't invest in I it. I think it's a brand extension for us. I think it's a big opportunity. We could offer breakfast, cereal, and tequila. Okay. <laughs> Giving them, okay. you know. Oh, yeah. Good idea.
0: That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening today and for another week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin
4: national tequila day it is
0: tune in weekday mornings on cnbc at 6 a.m eastern subscribe to and share squawk pod tweet us at squawk cnbc we'll meet you back here on monday
4: we want to wish everybody a fabulous weekend
1: happy tequila
4: day joe i'm gonna
1: get on this